this is the 15th anniversary. You dropped 60 points on the Lakers. Hi, y'all. I was on Baller's Life going through watching. Kobe got a lot in the buckets. Uh-huh. You know, it was, it, was, uh, it, was, it was interesting to see. I just want to know, before we get into the unwritten rules portion of it, what do you remember from that game, dropping that 60-piece, and how much shit were y'all talking to each other? Did we get to a point where it was like, I'm going to stop talking to this leg yo cook? No, 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 it's funny. It's like, you got to blame Luke Walton. Because <laughs> Luke Walton always came up to me every time we played like, like yeah. Kobe said, uh, he told me to tell you that, um, yeah, he's going to shut you down today. He's guarding you personally. Like, well, then you tell him that uh, I'm going to scratch whatever playbook that we're going to do, and I'm just going to go one for a flat. And made this an ISO show. <laughs> and, that's, yeah, yeah, and that's basically how our, our shit talk is. Like, we never talk shit to each other. It was like <laughs> via, it was via uh, Luke Wall, and it's like one of those, hit my hand. Uh, uh, it was one of those. Luke like, Wall oh. not here back channeling between both the uh, <laughs> diplomatic negotiations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so when you and Kobe say, like, at what point do you guys actually start talking to each other? During the game or what's going we on? We never, like, the only thing he said that game is, like, why, you're not going to guard me? Huh? You're not, you're not, <laughs> <laughs> you're not going to guard me? You're just going to be one-sided? I was just, you're just going to be a one-sided player? Huh? Come, uh, challenge yourself. You know, come on in and guard me something. Like, you know, I'm not going to guard you. You're just going to post up the whole time. Are you gonna post up? I, I can't guard you in the post. We're gonna have to double, then you get. Now the sorry players get to score more points. So now nah, I'm not gonna do that. Deshaun got you. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanna ask, what are the unwritten rules of being in a zone like that from yourself, from your teammates? Like, if you know a guy's on the verge of hitting a 40 piece, a 50 piece, or a 60 piece like yourself, are you more inclined to give him the rock? Are you dealing with any haters on your squad? Or like, I don't, I want Gil to get 60 because I want that 60. Okay, so the unwritten rules. See, I've never been. <clears throat> I'd never been in a situation where another player was outshining me in the game for me to even give that shit up. Okay, so we're going to start with that. Unwritten rule for me as the star, the unwritten rule is if I'm on a heater, you're not getting that shit. All right? I don't give a shit. What coach called, you're not getting the ball. I'm going to, I'm going to. Shoot it. I'm gonna try some heat checks, and if I cool off, I'm gonna keep shooting till I can catch back on fire. <laughs> you know, that's just that's just how that that works. It's like if you when you see people like Steph, you know, going for 50 and breaking these records, that's the it's an unwritten rule for a player. Now, as a team, as a team, let's say um, Golden State this year with Steph in the record, right? There's an unwritten rule that, but it's it's obvious that Steph is gonna go for this record. He don't. He's not going for it. It's 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 gonna happen. It's the, it's not even in the middle of the season. So this is gonna happen. He's gonna break this record at some point. Now it all depends on when he wants to break it. What team does he want to break it on? So the unwritten rule is we're gonna help him break this record. If we got to set screens all the time, if we got, like, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna do all the things that we need to do to actually help him break it while still, you know, playing our normal game. Gotta talk about you and Kobe. You know, y'all had some, some, some truly epic battles going at each other. What do you remember most from those times? What's, what's your favorite memory of going up against Kobe? Well, I'm gonna tell you, our best battles wasn't even in the finals, it was in, at UCLA. <laughs> Pickup games. Man, we had some people don't even know about this because, you know, we used to play in the summertime at UCLA. And, and it used to get kind of like fiery between me and him. Because, you know, we Celtics, we still Celtics and Lakers, but 
we had some good battles then, but you know, he was about as competitive as it gets. And I always tell the story how competitive Kobe is. When we shot that commercial, uh, the Air Force. Oh, the second coming? The second coming. Yeah. We shooting that commercial. So I'm one on one with Kobe, right? And you know, this is a commercial. We acting. Mm -hmm. You know, they like make a move, you know, he gonna make a move. So I'm making a move. He ripped me. I'm like, I look at him like, hey. <laughs> so I make a move again, you know, kind of like, like today. He, he, he knocked the ball out again. I'm like, dude, this is a commercial. We trying to make it look good. And so now we're in a full-blown one-on-one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like sweating. <laughs> like, like, but that's the that's cold. I think about Kobe oh, yeah. and like the, the, the West Finals of 09, okay. the same, you know, the, the so, same okay. little joint. Kobe on the West then Conference Finals. We, people have made a block of like four plays to be an all-out assault on Kobe. Number one, with George, with George Carl, that's my guy, but my job, I, he had hits out on people. It was like wanted posters. Okay, you get, if I get a flagrant one, we paying it. If you don't get a flagrant one, you ain't doing your job. Like you getting cussed out for like layups. <laughs> like we were we were bruisers. So yeah, like for sure. you ain't coming in our paint. First and foremost, you come in the paint, you gotta you gotta sit down. And they allowed it at that point in time. So like we had first round was Chris Paul. Chris Paul, me and Kenyon just jumped in, physical waiting, physical. CP ain't talking for like two years. <laughs> because it was just so physical, but that was our job. Like we gotta, we gotta get the ball at your hands. We knew that once you you trying to jump out of 6'6 six, six and 6'9, six, put some wood on you, mm -hmm. like we're gonna make you quit. Dirk the next round had to quit. Um, then you get the cold. And cold with everything. But as I said before, I got a lot of respect for him, so I'm coming in respectfully. But he don't really care about you. So while he doesn't want to be touched, he likes to do a lot of touching. Mm -hmm. He likes to elbow you in your face and he likes to push you to get open and like which is all part of the game, I'm not mad at, but then he complained to the refs, you can't touch him. One play, when I tripped him. I remember denying him to get the ball open. He couldn't, he, his teammate didn't give it to us. He was mad at him. So he swung it and, no, I apologize. It was, it was side of the bounds. He, I'm denying him. He elbowed me in my Adam's apple. So when that closes up on you, like you can't breathe, now I'm mad. And I'm a person that believes in get back. So he swung the ball and he tried, and the shot went up. He tried to get by me and as not being able to breathe, I was like, nah, get back here. I'm, not, I'm done with this. Like, I'm, I want that foul. They didn't call it. I was like, oh, I got away with it. Cool. He's livid, never said a word to me. That's one block. But we've been fighting for games here now, like four games prior. Now we in the Western Conference Fire. Everything's on the line. You didn't elbow me in my throat. I don't know if y'all been elbowed in y'all throat before, but it kind of really hurts. So I clipped him. You're right. Then we had, then I appreciate nah, no, I pushed these Ubers under this. I guarded thousands of possessions. Like, mm -hmm. it's not like that's, I only had one possession on it and I, and I tripped him. Mm -hmm. He elbowed me in my throat, I had to get back. I couldn't get my hands on him. <laughs> I got it. I, I feel like I got it. If they called a foul, yeah, I did that. I did it. I did it on See, he's strong enough. And what? He's strong enough to eye clip somewhere and. I just couldn't get my hands on him. Never again. I blacked out. I blacked out for half a second. I couldn't I could get my hands on I wanted my get back. Got it back. Cool. Then there's another one. I pushed him in the back. Right? And our rule was, like, no dunks and no layups. 
So I thought I was doing the right thing. I swear I thought I was doing the right thing because only, he, he beat me for the first kind of time like, like where I see the back of his jersey. Mm-hmm. I got two options. Take his head off because he can't see me. Like when he gets in the air, I got to swipe and just take him out mm-hmm. or push him before he even jumps. So you see me, I just push him and he never gets in the air and he feels like he's disrespected. But I can't give up layups because I lose money. I get fully disrespected in timeouts. Like they had me so wound up. Chauncey, uh, Kenyon, George had me so wound up and so frustrated. They were on my ass at all points in time. So they, if, he, if he'd have got a dunk, I'm getting cussed out by Big Shot. Big Shot fully cussing me out. Why you ain't fouling? Why you ain't do this? But I take all the embarrassment when I do something wild. So I'm taking it from my teammates and he and me and him in the full scrap. So I pushed him in the back so that he didn't get hurt. Like he didn't get in the air and I didn't take him out the air. Because I had, that was my responsibility at that point in time. And then the other one is where he gets hurt on the last second shot. But I had guarded him for, for 38, well, 32 minutes of a game. And if you're going to hurt somebody, you're going to hurt him in the one. beginning of the game? <laughs> or I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it the first play. You're going to do it in minute one. I'm, I'm going to get him out. I'm not going to play with you. You embarrass me for 32 minutes. If I'm going to really hurt you, I got it on my mind. I'm not going to wait till the end to hurt you. I'm, you know what I think I'm going to do? <clears throat> Did I ever hurt you, though? Did I ever hurt you, though? No, I'm going to need to go back and watch the film to see how dirty he was. Cause there's no reason I had three. There's no reason I had three regularly. I don't. I naturally, was naturally three. And then, no. but, but how this came he about? Did, he must we was in the weight room before, and we was like, and I was like, y'all lock, I lock all that up. Gil, Gil ain't gonna never talk to me crazy. He was like, no, let me see when I played you. And he went, he said, oh, <laughs> was, oh, you did. I was like, yeah, I told you, I locked that shit up. <laughs> I was like, yeah, nah. uh, yeah. But I, I never really, I never really, mind you, I'm playing hard. I'm aggressive, like. All that comes from a good place. I never really tried. I never, Kobe was like, I lived and died by Kobe. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. I'm going to sit here and tell you flat out, I had no desire to be a coach. That was not part of my, part of my plan, mm-hmm. to be a coach in the NBA, so to speak. I just knew I wanted to try to impact the game of basketball on a, on a global scale in terms of helping athletes become elite with their skill. That was my motivation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after doing this for 10 plus years, you know, my reputation and my name just kind of grew in the industry. And, you know, I'm from Oakland. Golden mm-hmm. State Warriors had potentially offered me a job. Mike Brown had offered me an opportunity when he was in Cleveland the first time. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't really interested. You know, I, I had a very prosperous business. I was running, work <laughs> when I want, work when I don't want mm-hmm. want. And so it kind of really become a thing that I was just very comfortable in that space. And in 2011, Mike Brown got hired by by the Lakers. My motivation in the industry was, you know, I wanted to be able to train with some of the best players Mm -hmm. ever. And so when Mike got that job and the opportunity became for me to to work with the Lakers, the only thing that really sold me on it was to have the opportunity to stand next to Kobe. Mm. That was it. I wasn't interested in being a coach. (laughs) I wasn't interested in, in necessarily coaching in the NBA. I wanted the opportunity to see if my skill set 
as a trainer was was good enough to impact a guy like Kobe. That was my motivation, and that was the only reason why I took the job. Wow. And that was 12 years ago. Had and you worked with Kobe at all before that? Never met that dude. So Kobe. what was it like meeting Kobe for the first time as a Lakers player development coach and just kind of, <laughs> how, did, how did y'all break through and when did y'all actually start putting in work together? You know, man, we, that year, that 2011, it was a lockout. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a shortened season. So when they, when they hired me, the lockout ended. Mike Brown called me the day the lockout ended to say, I need you in L.A. tomorrow. Uh, so I had to shut my business down. I left, moved to L.A., and we started training camp. And I remember, you know, I, I would come in early every morning. And this was my first opportunity to work in a team environment. And I didn't really know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. In that sense, Mike just said, figure it out. So I would get there early. Whoever mm-hmm. was on the court, I would work with them. I would stay after practice. Whoever wanted to work, I would work with them. And I remember I would get in and get on the court early. And Cole would, by then, he'd have his work done. You know, he'd come in early. Mm-hmm. He's in at 6 o'clock, 5 o'clock in the morning. He'd have his work done, be in the weight room, sitting in the back, go to sleep. The first few days, he would come out of the training room and he'd stick his head out and he would just watch what I was doing. He'd sit there for like two or three minutes mm-hmm. and then he'd go back in the training room. He did that for about four or five days. Um, and then like a week later, he finally texted me and said, hey, meet me at the gym. You know, meet me, I've told this story countless times, <laughs> meet me at the gym at five. You know, five, I think it was like 5.45 or something like that. So I was like, okay, bet. I went to the gym that night. Mm-hmm. Showed up, got there at like 4.30, thinking, you know, it was that night. I waited for that dude. 5.30 rolled around, <laughs> didn't show up. 6 o'clock rolled around, he didn't show up. So I was like, okay, 6.30, I'm going home. I came in the next morning, my normal time, showed up work around 7 a.m. Man, that dude came out of the training room like, Yo, mofo, you know, he cussing at me, F-bombs. Where was you at? And I was like, bro, I was here. You know, you told me 545. You know, he was like, man, I meant 545 this morning. <laughs> I showed up the night before. <laughs> and so I was just like, okay. <laughs> it kind of just took me back. And then he was like, look, be here tomorrow. And that's how our relationship started. Mm-hmm. You know, I think he really just looked at what's my body of work? Do I understand the game? You know, how am I working with guys? How am I communicating with guys? What's my work ethic? Mm-hmm. That was for him. That's how it started. Yeah, again, I, I didn't know Cole. I had to figure out a way to build a relationship with him. And it was purely through the work. Okay. Mm-hmm. He respected my work ethic in terms of just watching me work with other, other guys on the team before and after practice. He saw that I was, you know, committed to just being on the floor with guys mm-hmm. and doing whatever I can to help guys get better. And that's how our relationship started. And... You know, the very first workout I ever had with him was, my question to him was, well, how can I help you? You know, this is, here he is, a polarizing basketball player. What can I do to help you continue advancing yourself in this game? Mm-hmm. And he told it. He said, look, I want to get better with my ball hand. I want to get better, continue getting better with my footwork. I want to work on all these areas. He was always just trying to expand. And so he would come in and say, hey, look, today, this is what I want to do. I want to do some ball hand. I would do it. And so I would just fall right in line with it and try to help him in, in many different areas as I could. But the biggest thing for me was, man, I learned far more from him than I think than I taught him mm-hmm. or anything showed him. I learned so much more from him in terms of just mentality, uh, work ethic, you know, how he worked. Mm-hmm. Man, it was, it, was, uh, it was an awesome experience for me because it was just, it was educational.
who was the guy where you know every night you were going up against him it was going to be a tough night and you were going to have to give you know your best effort? Uh, two guys. Uh, of course, God rest his soul, um, Kobe. Um, I saw a clip, like somebody posted a clip and we played him in the Western Conference Finals. Like, he drove, I bop, stop, boom, bop, boom, 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 he, boom. I'm all over it. He fade, I'm contest mm-hmm. point. He whoosh, bock it. Next p- clip, they run something. I switch out there, he boom, 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 he, I'm, boom, boom, he swap, boom. So, like, it was like one of them, you know what I'm saying? But it was always, it's a chess match with me and him. Like, he knew, like, and that's why, like, I, like, over the years, like, I'm like, Good, like mm-hmm. really good. Mm-hmm. I'm saying, cause most guys, like I'm, I can stop your A, your B. Like he gonna go to C, D. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like one time they come, um, they used to run a little pitch back play. They run pistol, he threw it back to him. We used to switch it, of course, with me. We switch, he come off our body, and boom, boom, he come off. He getting ready to shoot it. I'm all on top of it. He shoot that thing off the glass with his left hand. I was like, hey man, don't do that no more, man. <laughs> Like, while we running back down, hey, man, don't do that again, dog. He laughed. He's like, yeah. I'm like, it's just one of them situations, man, where it was, it was, like, very competitive, but, but it was fun at the same time, and it was a mutual respect for one another at his offensive ability and my ability to guard people. Kobe's Drew League game. Mm-hmm. You played in that game. What do you remember from that day, just that summer, just how, how crazy it was, how turned it was? I mean, for me... You know, I got a call from my dad. He was like, yo, come through to Drew. Kobe's about to come. I'm a big LeBron guy, so I'm like, uh. <laughs> I'm like, I literally told him, like, I don't look back on that shit. I want to slap myself. Yeah. But I ended up bringing the camera up there, filmed a bunch of stuff, got the game winner, even had Kobe on the sideline. You did like a 360 in the game. Yeah. He was on the bench talking to Chris Young, the ghetto bird, literally just singing your praises. Like, he's yeah. like, Jamar shit, he just, he goes to the penthouse, literally. Yeah. Like, what do you remember from that, that day playing in the Drew? Um, I think it was like a last minute call getting guys together because it was like a random day say Cole wanted a hoop so all the guys that was in LA for some reason like I think we all just got a call saying we're gonna play today Cole gonna come play so we was like all right I don't know how this is gonna work we at the little gym at the park or whatever yeah. so they was like get there earlier so we we all there so Cole come everybody going crazy I'm talking it was thousands of people even waiting outside that couldn't get in and um, I just remember us going out there playing and and him walking on the floor saying, um, he said something crazy. He always be talking shit crazy. <laughs> and he said something, but he was like, man, y'all better come play, come to play. So everybody came, like we put out there, who, James, me, like we were just going at it. And I remember a lot of us saying we was going to take turns with guarding them. <laughs> And you could just tell he was, a, I don't know if he stretched in the car uh-huh. on the way there because he just walked on the court. He didn't do nothing, like got straight to it. Uh-huh. So we hooping and I mean, it was a close game. I remember, I think they got footage of it. They was trying to make him leave early. Yeah, I got the that. Game. Yeah. Cops go up to him yeah. like, cause y'all were, big, y'all were up like eight with like a minute and a half or something. Or something. Yeah. It was something with like, yo, this shit's up. Yeah, we like, was up and they was trying to get Kobe to leave. And he was like, nah, I'm finishing the game. Mm-hmm. And he ends up, <laughs> in the game winner, right? And he just stood in the middle of the floor and it was just like, like, you can't make this up. You know what I mean? And it wasn't like we was trying to give him the game or we were just trying to make it. 
Like, he really, it was like a real-life game. Like, it felt like you was playing in Staples Center. You know what I mean? But it was one of those moments when you look around and you see, like, like we smack dab in the hood. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, we in the hood. Like, everybody in here is from the hood. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? So, for him to hit the game when they're standing in the middle of the court, like, everybody run up to him. It was like one of the craziest moments in the Drew League. He is the one that really light, lit a fire under the twins and, and started them understanding, like, because I remember I took them in the workout with them for his, their 10th birthday. And Kobe, what are they into? I was like, these motherfuckers play video games all day. He's like, all right. So when they get there, you know, where are you guys going to school? Simultaneously, we're going to UCLA. And Kobe's like, no, you're not. And these boys are like, we're not? He's like, well, no, if you guys don't work at your game, like your dad says, you guys are good on, you know, you guys play video games, so you guys might be some computer nerds or this, this, and that, but you're not going to play basketball, and they're still kind of confused, like, um, we're not? He's like, no, you got to work at this shit. And he busted their ass in this workout, and after they were done, they were just like, okay, I like this. And then three and a half months later, Kobe passes, and it's just like, Shit, we're gonna do it for Kobe now. So when I tell you, like, that's when they're like, well, dad, well, okay, we wanna train your dad and we wanna start working out more. And since that point, to like, to see how much they've gotten better, okay. because again, they always had the IQ, but now you add the skill to it. It's just like, oh, this is fun and it's gonna continue to get fun now because again, they love it and they want it, not because I want it. So you talk about Kobe, obviously, you got the whole flinching mm -hmm. incident and all that good stuff, but he that literally motivates him to bring you on the squad. Right. Let's talk about going from, from obviously, with the Magic to now on the Lakers and developing yeah. that bond and relationship to the point yeah. now where you can bring your 10-year-olds for their birthday yeah. out to, to Orange County That's to get that big. workout. You know, because, I mean, my Kobe relationship started at UCLA. You know, he was young when he came to L.A., and he was always on our campus. I'm like, isn't that Kobe? And he'd be walking around <laughs> our campus working out and stuff, so getting a chance to see him and watch him work out and playing against him in the summer. I was just a fan and <clears throat> kind of had that admiration knowing just like, yo, this dude is next. You know, I was in 1998, he's, you know, I'm seeing him work out. And I'm just like, yo, this dude is next Jordan type shit. So fast forward, I was a fan getting a chance to play with him. It was just, again, someone that I knew, okay, I, I get a chance to play against defense against Kobe. This is great. So there's always real competitive nature with us. And then in the Orlando situation, I mean, anyone that plays Kobe, you know, he's dirty as yeah. Grabs you, elbows you, <laughs> says shit, does whatever, but they'll never call a foul on him. Like, known for elbowing you in the sternum, known for <laughs> just doing all kinds of crazy shit, but it was part of that mental, uh, you know, warfare that he liked to put on you. So I was just to the point now, well, this motherfucker didn't elbow me in my sternum, <laughs> elbow me, hit me in my nuts, elbow me in my chin. Like, I'm gonna fight this dude because these punk ass refs aren't calling nothing. So when the ball fake shit happened, it wasn't like, I'm gonna fake the ball in his face. Literally, my arms just did it by themselves like I wanted to <laughs> slam that shit in his face so I faked it uh, and then it, you know it kind of became what it did but fast forward so my situation in Orlando doesn't work out so I get a call from Pat Riley like hey you know we got this we're putting this this team together and I'm like okay what kind of team because I mean I'm in Orlando Miami's right the freeway you know we're in talk to Chris Bosh and LeBron might be coming and then I'm like really what really it's like you know just but it's you know this is what it could be and you know our crunch timeline it could be you LeBron D Wade Bosh and Mike Miller and you know we're gonna win some rings something I'm just gonna go to Miami and it's Miami too I'm gonna go to Miami and then I get this call from a number I don't know and I'll never answer my phone but I just happen to answer it and it's, and it's Cole I'm just like yeah right who's this he's like no nah, it's Cole for real I'm just like what I'm like what's up so we kind of start talking and he told me, he's like, anyone crazy enough to f with me is crazy enough to play with me. Do you want to be a Laker? And I mean, I grew up in Cali. I'm a Showtime Magic Johnson dude. I'm like, hell yeah. So like four days later, I was a Laker. So we went from kind of just com competitors to 
to teammates. And then during that very first season, we were both going through stuff in our personal life, so we really, really bonded. Like, we were kicking it. I got this motherfucker go out in Milwaukee, of all cities. Like, we were always <laughs> out and about doing shit and really kicked it and talked about our kids and talked about life and business and family and all this kind of shit. So we really went from competitors to teammates to brothers to the point where he's always sending the twins their new shoe. He's, you know, Gigi would, we, we'd all be playing at, the, the, all the shit out in Orange County and Kobe would hit me up the night before like, yo, I saw you guys in the tournament what time you play. We play at, we play at nine, they play at 11, I'll be there. You know, Kobe would come two hours early to mm -hmm. watch the Twins play. So it was just like that kind of relationship that I built with them off basketball is, is obviously something I'll never forget and, and very grateful because you hear so many different things about Kobe. But if he lets you in, he's, you're, he's nothing like you hear he is. He's yeah. just, he's incredible, crazy, shit-talking motherfucker. You know, he's just a cool-ass dude, but he's the mamba with that mentality to everyone else. But if he lets you in to see the person, the man, the father, he's an incredible dude.